There are questions that don't have clear answers, issues that can't be resolved through logical analysis, and moments in our lives that can't be engaged with and understood on one's own. Welcome to Ajar, an experiment in collaborative meaning-making with author and professor Joan Ball, strategist Rebecca Taylor, and artist and educator A.M. Bott. This monthly podcast follows weekly Substack articles, one from each member of Ajar, on a topic that is at once timeless and, given where we are in the world, of immediate concern. This month's topic is power. What does, what does it mean for you to be powerless in a context or in a situation or in overall? This is interesting because it points for me anyway to recovery circles, right? So the notion of being powerless over alcohol is really, really central to recovery circles. And it is a sticking point for a lot of people, this notion of being powerless over anything. Uh, and then particularly for people who struggle with addiction issues, uh, because um, one of the terms that comes out of recovery is that people who are addicts uh, are egomaniacs with inferiority complexes. And I always thought that that was a very interesting kind of mix to be centering oneself while also being highly insecure. And this notion of admitting powerlessness as a route to becoming empowered. There's a paradox there that runs through uh, the principles that exist in that particular space. And uh, I know that uh, in my engagement with those spaces, and I don't talk about them in deep detail because that's one of the principles of recovery is that you really don't talk about the principles in detail, although they're available for anyone to read if they so care to. That paradox between powerlessness and the inferiority and then powerlessness as a route to feeling more empowered was a paradox that uh, in practice was challenging for me, but also uh, intellectually was inviting. I don't know. I, I guess for me, powerlessness is when I feel out of control. Those words kind of go hand in hand. If I feel like I have control over a situation, I feel like I have power um, in it to change it if it's not working for me, to, to move beyond something. Um, so whenever I feel that way, I always look at what can I do? What agency can I take that will reassert that feeling of, of being in control of my own life? A power for me is so tied up into the external you know, it's not a contrast it or, or, or have it as a competing influence with strength. And uh, power is, you know, sort of external, um, including like my biology, you know, like when you say like addiction, you know, because I didn't choose my biology. And so in a certain sense, you know, it's, it's obviously very much a part of me, but I didn't choose it, right? I, I don't really have a say over it. And so if I have a genetic predisposition or 
psychological predisposition for upbringing and whatever you know theory you want to go with but but i didn't choose it i didn't wake up one day or, you know as a, as a four-year-old or a 14-year-old or a 24-year-old and say i think i'll try being an addict right power is about uh, external uh, even even sometimes my own body uh, and so powerlessness is this kind of sense of something outside of my sense of me you know it has control uh, uh, um, over me or over my experience I think sort of is, is what the experience of powerlessness is. And, uh, and again, for me, connects to this kind of externality. It's interesting the way that you frame that because something having power over me versus me not having power over something, I think for me, there's a gap there. It's, it's not, those borders are not on one another. So I don't, when I think about being powerless over circumstances, over biology, external, even internal, sometimes my own thoughts and, and emotions, whatever it might be, I don't necessarily think of something else having that power. There's a gap. I, don't, I haven't thought about it that way before, but I, I, it, there's something else about this place of powerlessness that is amorphous. It's, it's not concrete. Maybe something else has power over me. Maybe it doesn't, but it's more of a no man's land for me of uh, me not having the power over it. And then perhaps it opens questions of, so what does? If I don't, then what does? And, and maybe I find in there that I have more power than I thought, but I just haven't embraced it. Maybe I find out that it is that I don't have the power and now I have to think about how do I want to operate because someone or something else does have the power. But there's more in there for me than just I either have it or someone else does. And maybe that's not accurate, but that's just yeah, how I, I process it. I, 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 can, I can get behind that, Joan. You know, it's, not, it's not an either or um, uh, I do or someone else or something else does. Uh, so I can, I, can, you know, yeah, I can definitely get with that. Uh, the broader point, though, for me is, again, that, it, that power is always external. It's, it's, it's in relation to something external. Uh, and sometimes even, again, my own body. Right. And again, for me, that's contrasted. Or not contrasted, isn't the right word. The competing influence is what we call it, is, is strength, which is something that has no external condi uh, uh, conditionality to it. It's, it's something I source. And so in states of powerlessness or powerfulness, uh, I can still source strength. It makes sense, but I would love you to unpack it. So, so uh, unpacking it without unpacking, you know, a whole, a whole, whole thing. Um, you know, we've talked about like offline and, and in these podcasts and, 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 you know, the live rooms, this kind of primacy of commitment uh, uh, in, in, you know, kind of my framework. Like reality is what I say it is. You know, uh, physical reality is not what I say it is. But reality is what I say it is. You know, somebody doesn't return my call. I have a lot of say over what that means. It could mean they don't like me. It could mean they're busy. It could mean this is, you know, it could mean all bunch of, and I get to say what it means. And so strength is the willingness, for me with rigor, because it's all with rigor, but, but even take that side of it, it's the willingness uh, to claim the, the I say in the context of any situation, powerful or powerless, right? It's the willingness to, in the face of anything, say, no, I say how I am right now. 
whatever is happening externally, not to deny that, not to, you know, gloss it over, not to fail to deal with it, but how I am relative to it, I say. And for me, that's an expression of strength. Now, whether or not I have 20 bucks in, you know, in my, in my wallet to be able to buy something, whether or not I can, you know, speak back to this abusive, you know, spouse without risk of harm, whether or not I can, you know, challenge something from my boss. You know, those are issues of power. And, and you know, we can get into it. I'd love to get into kind of, you know, the way power seems to play out in, this, in, in, in our society. I think it's very connected to money, the money conversation we had. But again, in the context of all of that, who I say I am is, is, is not about power. It's about strength. I like that. I like it a lot. I, I think um, I'll ask you to just un- unpack one more. And I know that this is part of, you know, a much kind of longer conversation and a longer practice. In that context, how do you view strength? That word has a lot, right? So, so I see how it's connecting to power in how you just described it, but that is strength. What do we mean? A way I might say it, Joan, is, uh, uh, you know, power is my ability to move things outside of myself. And so, you know, if I've got a certain amount of power that comes with money, it's my ability to move, you know, transactions. So I've got a certain amount of power due to my position in the organization. It's my ability to move people and move processes, move structures. Right? Strength is my ability to, again, maintain this state of self and allow myself to be moved without losing that. And so I can be powerless and have a lot of strength. We have a lot of historical examples of that, you know, New Testament, uh, you know, Martin Luther King, Gandhi, right? No actual power, no systemic power, but lots and lots and lots of strength, I say. You nail me on the cross, I say who I am and how I am. I have zero power, nth degree zero power. But in the face of that, I say who I am and what I am. That works for me. I've never used those words in that way. Certainly, I've always thought of power in the way you described it. I've never used the the term strength to define sort of the inner state of being, but I, I absolutely feel the importance of that self-possession. And so to use the word strength for that absolutely works for me. And I think it's important to differentiate between the two, you know, that which we can control, that which we can't control, and, and how we choose to let those impact us. It's exactly it, Rebecca. You know, for, uh, the word separating them out um, is important for me, you know, developmentally with people, because it's really useful to develop people on power. How does one acquire power? How does one effectively utilize power? How does one not abuse power? How does one... It's like the money conversation, right? What I said last week, like understanding money and how to manage it and how to generate it. and how yeah. to, Like power, really useful. And then having a separate domain that's about your internal experiences, a very, you develop that part of it totally differently, right? That's, that's not about understanding, you know, the systems of the world and systems of hierarchies and all that. It's a totally different developmental process. And so, you know, we always separate those two because when people collapse them, they start trying to manage in here the way they manage out there. And they're fundamentally different games, you know, and people try to have power over themselves. And you even hear that language. Willpower. Willpower, right? And that gets, very, in my experience, that gets very destructive. You know, you, 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 you start enslaving yourself uh, versus liberating yourself. You start, uh, uh, again, managing yourself, controlling yourself, right? Power and control, absolutely. Like, you know, you said it, uh, or both of you said it, those two fit very closely together. Power and control, power and control, absolutely. 
Strength has nothing to do with control, right? And so, yeah, so we've always found it useful to separate those two out because they're two different developmental pieces for a human, I think. So, so, so then let's, let's talk about kind of how, you know, power plays out in the world. Um, you know, and I think it, it maybe dovetails nicely on the conversation that came up in the, in the, in the live room, in the clubhouse room um, about money. And, you know, if we take, you know, someone in the room brought up, you know, the philosophy is great. The philosophy, like I'll, I'll, I'll use that same kind of thing and apply it to this conversation. Yeah, the philosophy of strength is great, but I'm sitting in a place of zero power and, and trying to figure out how to move, right? And so, so we've all no doubt been in that situation where it's like not just I'm kind of powerless situationally, but I am in a state of powerlessness, you know, like around me. I'm curious, you know, what, what, you know, kind of along your journeys you've used or engaged with, or, you know, not as a best practice, but just, just personal experience, right. To kind of engage with, with a sense of, you know, significant powerlessness in the world or in a particular organization or in a, in a you know, in a marriage or in a wherever. Yeah. I mean, for me, the most powerless I've ever felt is um, when faced with the death of a loved one. I mean, that is truly when you realize you have no control <laughs> um, over anything. And so, you know, I, I think back to sort of defining moments in my life. And it was that inner strength that you're talking about that got me through those moments of, you know, being really clear on who I was, what those relationships were to me, and figuring out how to honor them in a way that allowed me to be true to myself, to be true to my emotions, but also to be anchored in, in kind of my core faith and my core beliefs. And in those beliefs, what's happening in the world doesn't matter so much. It, it loses the value and the consequence it has when we're sort of externally motivated. And, you know, I mean, I think that's probably easier to say in, in theory than it is in practice to live out. But I've, I've found that, that those moments, key strength and, and really being self-contained in terms, of, in terms of my emotions, how I express them, how I show up in the world is what got me through. And I can see that I have lost people. I don't know that that is the first example that came to me although it's compelling to listen to you, right? I could go there. I could go there. But I think rather than uh, following you there, add a layer of having uh, sickness with children and that kind of powerlessness that also requires particular kinds of action, right? So I think in the times that I've lost people, there is the loss and then there is that internal strength that you're talking about and the development of the internal strength to, to heal, grieve, all of the things that come out of that. And then there are the circumstances when we're having something to heal and grieve from that also requires particular and consistent action. So having to both show up and grieve in those ways is another kind of powerlessness that gets murky. And I think that speaking to what you were speaking about it, this idea of, of thinking about it in the context of also having uh, resource 
lack of resources and so on and so forth. This, this internal work that we're needing to do on our own selves in order to be able to deal with something that has disrupted us, but then also having to get up in the morning and figure out what's the best doctor and where, how do we get there and how do we fund that and so on and so forth. And uh, I think many people find themselves at that intersection of I've got, I've been somehow find myself powerless or disempowered or not having power in whatever way that happened, but then also having to take action, powerful action in the face of powerlessness. And I think there's something there that is uh, a particular kind of challenge, whether, whatever the loss, whatever the, it comes our way. And, and because doing that internal work, I think in our society very much, we've seen that as, as the, it's, I, I agree wholeheartedly about the separation of it in terms of how we think about it. But often we think about it as then separating ourselves, right? We go to the mountaintop, we go to the well-being retreat, we go to even, you know, read a book or do the thing because we can now separate ourselves from the day-to-day in order to think about that internal work. And yet, so frequently, we're called upon to do that internal work in the context of day-to-day activity in life. And that makes it harder to keep those domains separate, or it de- we need to develop different practices, different approaches to be able to keep those domains separate in practice and in action when life happens. Yeah, so, so one of the things, I've, so... <laughs> You know, like in short form stuff like public speaking and, and stuff like that. I kind of always tend to present stuff in, in dyads, you know, like like power and strength. And, you know, uh, but really all of our stuff is is uh, is triads. Uh, it just gets complex to talk about sometimes. And this one, um, uh, probably for the first time, put a third term in. Um, the strength is power and then this force. And for us, that constitutes a certain field. And so, so I raised that to kind of, you know, for me, one of the things that shows up uh, that I've learned uh, if I'm not paying attention is in experiences of powerlessness, uh, I'll go to force, right? And so a simplistic example of that, you know, that's, that's not personal, but, uh, you know, like if I feel powerless economically, I may force, I may steal, right? That's an act of force. That's an act of somebody uh, uh, kind of engaging in a system where they feel they have no power. And so they resort to force. And so I may steal something. This by no way is, 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 well, it's certainly not the full picture on addiction. It may not be any part of the picture. I have no direct experience with that. I've had a lot of friends and have done work with, with people with addiction. Um, but I don't have direct experience, so this could be off the mark. But my sense of it is one of the things that happens um, is the feeling powerless over certain emotional states. I can force those states through a chemical. And people do that with food and people do that with whole, you know, all kinds of other. So I'm like powerless to feel, you know, an absence of anxiety. And so I eat, you know, four sugar donuts uh, and it forces a shift in my emotional state, right? Um, as a, you know, silly example. And so, 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 you know, back to the personal experience of it, I've, you know, I've, I've learned early on that, that in situations of powerlessness, one of the things I'll resort to is force. That, that I'll deal with my lack of power and, and, and not call on strength. Um, but I'm sort of so lost in the thing that I'll resort to some kind of force to shift the situation, absent a path to acquire power and absent a self-awareness to summon strength. I think that at 
its worst summoning force, maybe not worst, right? That's more of a judgment, right? So, so kind of summoning force when it feels reactive, right? This idea of the reaction to that feeling, the reaction to that disruption, whatever, uh, defaulting to force. And I think that there is, there's a journey in holding on the impulse to engage in force and see what lives there, right? And that is not a lack of action, perhaps, but a lack of reactivity, right? And so that the liberation of feeling powerless or acknowledging powerlessness that I have experienced, and I'll only speak to my own um, experience here, powerlessness over a variety of different things. And and I really operate in very much a uh, place of the recognition of my powerlessness over most things uh, as a practice, powerlessness as a practice. And that acknowledgement of being, whether it's powerless over a first thought, right? That happens a lot in, in the addiction example, right? This idea of it's not about never wanting to do that behavior or engage with a substance or whatever it might be, but recognizing that the first thought, we're powerless over the first thought, but not powerless over the action or the activity or the response or whatever. And so it's this, where am I powerless and where do I then have power and engage in the strength to now engage with the places that I do have power, engage with the ability to tolerate the reality of not having power and where I do have power, right? Because it can be quite frustrating to not have power. We can get distracted. We can get diverted by focusing on the lack of power. And so this idea of coming from a default of powerlessness and then building from there, in some ways I'd never thought of it before, but it ties back to your money floor, as opposed to how much money do I need, but what is my floor? I think that perhaps um, having a power floor (laughs) as well, right? This idea of, uh, you know, what is the minimum amount of power that I need to be able to engage and then build up from there. And, And this is very much right now I'm talking about individual and perhaps small community, right? Me and, and my, my husband, my children, my family, my community, because then we have the systems conversation to happen, have, and that takes it to a different place. But that idea of that ecosystem of reality of where I am powerless and where I am not, and, and seeing that as uh, the creative constraints in which I am operating as a stepping off point, that framing has been liberating for me as a person who chose force or avoidance or neglect or, 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 but uh, unhelpful behaviors for myself and others, I think is the package I would put that in for me. Yeah, I think there's a solid through line there between people feeling powerless and often applying one of those defense mechanisms that you're talking about, you know, limbic system responses as you, as you write about so much in your in your work Joan and i think that inner strength is what can pull us back from that reactivity 
you know, and, and help us to, to ground ourselves in, is this really the right thing for me? You know, is, is being powerless truly problematic in this situation? Sometimes it is. Okay, you know, now I can be more strategic about what the next step to, step is rather than just being reactionary. You know, we're, we're reading so much about the great resignation uh, right now. It's like the buzzword of the moment. And, and part of me wonders how deeply some of these people have thought through their, these decisions that they're making. I'm sure they're right for some people. But I, I wonder if a lot of people are coming from a place of powerlessness and this is them forcefully reclaiming their power without having really done the internal work to figure out what they want, what would make them happy, you know, kind of to take on Joan's work and do a, a face a what now moment and stop, ask, explore and figure out, is this really what's best for you? Or could I perhaps negotiate the system I'm within to regain some power or to, you know, regain some control and, or, you know, rejigger what this is for what I truly want? Or can I use this moment for experimentation to figure out what actually is the next step before I jump off that cliff and then don't, still don't have any more answers than I had. And now I'm facing a new powerlessness because now the monthly bills are going to come and I've not kind of done that work to to reorient the resources. I don't know, I, I worry about that a lot in friends I see having sort of early midlife crises about work and, you know, jumping the ship and it it stems from powerlessness and I think it's a it's a reaction of force. Yeah, yeah, totally agree, totally agree. Yeah, as strength to me is is uh, in the body. Issues of power are in the head. They're always about you know control. The kind of notion of control is is in the head. It's it's like I mean I say head metaphorically, right? There's no separation of head and body. And so yeah, that you know the the the, the funk thing, right? I, I I you know I, when I'm not paying attention, uh, the the experience of powerlessness I can go to resignation uh, or more likely to to force, right? But when I'm paying attention, uh, it's an invitation in moments of powerlessness to go to funk, right? You know I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not a freezer and I'm not a fleer, and I can sometimes be a fighter, which is the fourth side. Uh, but but when I'm paying attention, uh, uh, it's funk, it's move, it's get into the body. Understand? Because that's where you know, for me, uh, I'm not sure where else you source strength from, uh, other than you know, kinesthetically in the moment, right? Strength's an in the moment thing. You can't plan for strength. You can plan for power. You can distribute power. You can write it, 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 power exists on time horizons, past and future. But strength is an in-the-moment phenomena. And so this kind of, you know, when I am paying attention, uh, it's kind of getting back into the body and saying, okay, you know, I got this in a certain way. Uh, though even that is kind of a thought. But yeah, we don't, you know, again, one of the many, many developmental gaps in our society is we don't really develop people in, in engaging with power in healthy ways. Uh, but perhaps even more importantly, um, or just as importantly, uh, engaging with powerlessness in in creative ways, and so yeah, you do get this kind of reactive thing that you, know, you both are speaking to, and reactive uh, at scale, you know, great resignation um, and otherwise, um, and yeah, it seldom is productive because it 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 doesn't actually change the condition the conditions of the game. It it temporarily alleviates some of the symptoms that you're experiencing, you know, like 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 the four donuts. It temporarily alleviates the psychological, uh, you know, lock, loss of control you have, it just shifts your biochemistry, but it doesn't change anything systemically. 
Can I drop something in just uh, quickly? I know we're not talking about strength. It's part of our conversation about power, but I'm thinking about someone who might be listening, especially about this conversation about inner strength and this being an inner strength game or play or whatever language we want to use. And I feel that very, very strongly. But I'm thinking about my own self at points in time where I didn't have it, where it was not something that I had access to. And since binary tends to be how we go, is that if I don't have the strength, then I'm weak. And I just think it's important when we're talking about this being of the individual, which I do think at its best that we will individually be people who grow in our ability to have strength individually, that there are points of uh, transition where we can uh, engage with one another to be strong with one another as people grow in their own strength. And that seems like it's assumed, but I don't think it's assumed when you're the person who's feeling weak. And, and my uh, engagement with many people, particularly the kind of folks who, who happen into my world, are that becomes a dirty little secret that I don't have the strength yet. It becomes the dirty little secret that I feel that I don't know how to deal with my powerlessness or whatever it might be. And I think it's just important to to view this as something that we're moving toward. Everyone's moving toward and we're all, no one has arrived <laughs> per se, right? It's, it's an ongoing uh, engagement over time. And that there are times when I know, I'm thinking uh, of myself, and, and my husband, actually, who, who there are points of my uh, experience with my own mental health, with my own um, ability to uh, maintain a healthy view of the world uh, in, in that area and that domain, that he and I have made arrangements and agreements in advance that there are certain states of mind that I have where I know that I can tap into him and that he even can um, engage with me without my asking because he sees and knows where I stand in the, in those moments of perhaps despair or uh, those moments of, of powerlessness that I can't engage my own strength. And I think having those kinds of relationships where we can rely on one another in safe ways, in healthy ways, not in codependent ways, but in ways of resourcing that can be really, really helpful, particularly when powerlessness goes below that floor, right? The powerlessness floor, like the money floor. And, and, and we do operate in those spaces over the course of a lifetime, for sure. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, there's another thing I'm doing a broken record on. So, you know, strong agreement, right? Like everything for me is uh, in community. There's no such thing as an individual existence. It's a myth. It doesn't exist. It's nonsense. Every life, life is a systemic kind of uh, phenomena. So yes, absolutely, um, and and community can be one other person, um, but 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 you want to get back to something else in there. Uh, so so yes, definitely agree on that. This is why you know, um, uh, or this is one of the reasons why it, it's so important for me, at least, uh, to kind of separate out strength and, and power, and understand they occur in fundamentally different domains. Our experience of it is uh, in in the work that that uh, power is something you can have. 
I can, I can acquire power. I can accumulate power. I can store power. Power is stored in my title, right? So in this place, I got, I got, I got the title of CEO. That title is stored power, right? It's power I acquired and I, I shoved into the title. And now just that title carries power, right? And so power is stuff, something I can accumulate. So it's something I can have, like dollars, right? Um, or gallons of water. Strength is not something you can have. It's impossible to have strength. Strength is something that's sourced. And that's why I say it's in the moment, it's in the body. And so developmentally in working with people, you're not strong. I got it. No one is. No one, no one inherently is strong. People are inherently powerful, physically powerful, financially powerful, etc. But nobody's strong. The work is, um, you know, how do you, it's, it's like, okay, so one of the early analogies we'd use, and I'll use it here, it's like a bicycle. You're never balanced on a bicycle, ever. What's happening is you've been riding the bicycle so long that, you, that it's, it's buried in your, in your nervous system now. Your, your body's constantly micro-adjusting. But there's no such thing, there's no moment in there where you're perfectly balanced. You're constantly micro-rebalancing. When you first got on the bike, you had to think about, oh, I'm tipping to the left, I got to tip to the right, I'm tipping to the right, I got to tip to the left, and you put training wheels on, right? But over a certain period of time, it just goes into the nervous system. It's in the body. And so you never have balance. You're constantly in a state of rebalancing, but you don't think about it anymore because it's embodied. Similar thing with strength, right? And it, again, all our work is so, you know, kind of community-based. There's no such thing as having strength. None of us have strength. But it's a long-term, again, long-term, no such thing as short-term development in my world. It's long-term development, like you would with a bike, of getting into your body this kind of access to strength, yeah. which is a very, very, very developmental game from how we work with people on developing power. Because for some people, for all of us actually, uh, uh, being able to accumulate power is useful. And to wield it effectively and ethically and humanely is really useful, you know. But it's a totally different development game than the, the game of learning how to balance and always be able to source strength. I, I would just maybe layer in, you're talking about embodied strength, which I feel, but I also would say there are times when I tap into that strength metaphysically. When I tap into that strength, either through community, as, as Joan was talking about before, or for me spiritually, that's a big part of my strength. And I, I guess we'll get into that a lot more next week. So I, I don't want to derail us there. But I just for me, I can't have a conversation about inner strength that's not about spirituality, because that is truly where my inner strength is anchored. And when I am at my most powerless, that is where I get my strength. That is where I feel anchored that things will be okay, even if I don't have the resources I need, even if I don't have the power in the situation. That sort of yielding of power to a divine is actually incredibly empowering and strengthening um, and grounding for me. And that is then how I become embodied in that emotion. Um, but that's a, it's a precursor that's sort of essential for me. Uh, that 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 totally works for me, Rebecca. And and again, it's why I don't write. It's why I don't because again, everything kind of in short form gets. Um, and again, without getting into a whole thing, like when I say body, I don't you know necessarily just mean the physical body. It's 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 an issue of temporality. I mean here and now, right? So in the spiritual traditions, like what you're speaking to, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit exists in the moment, 
Holy Spirit is not past or future. It's in the moment. In the Hindu tradition, Vedic tradition, Krishna energy is in the moment energy. It's not the rules of the past or the possibility of the future. It's in the moment energy, right? So yeah, totally with you on that. And 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 maybe a different way to say, you know, body is now, right? Strength is sourced now. It's yeah. not planned for in the uh, in the future, and it's not pulled from the past. Power is power is pulled from the past. Our names, our skin colors in the society have power that comes from the past, right? And has powerlessness that comes from the past. Uh, so yeah, yeah, very much, very much aligned on that. And I like that we're diversifying that in this way because. It can be from the mind, it can be from the body, it can be from social and others, it can be from other resources, it can be spiritual, right? This this notion of in the now, drawing upon what we need to have strength. And if what we need is not available, what is available? And to draw upon it to have that strength. And that will be very, very different for different people. And I think that's where we really go wrong in this society with our prescriptives, right? It's like, you will have strength if you do these five things. And here's the, you know, five strength superpowers that you can have in this way. Whereas this notion of the contextual aspects of the now, you know, it's not just who am I now? It's who am I? Where am I? Who am I with? How is it manifest? All comes into that. And I think that, uh, that's what can make it really, really interesting, right? I think that there's something about that that's quite compelling because it becomes the adventure of identifying our strength and drawing upon it, but it also can be overwhelming if if it's happening when we're feeling like we're lacking in strength, right? Because where do we, at the very moment that we need to engage creatively in the art of strength, uh, is the time that perhaps we are being most binary because we're depleted or we're fearful or whatever is uh, we're engaged with in that, in that feeling of powerlessness. So it's an interesting space. Thank you for spending some time with us in this conversation. If you have any comments on what you've heard, we'd love to hear from you. The best way to do that is on Clubhouse. We run a live social audio conversation on Thursdays at noon Eastern time. Visit us at ajar.substack.com for a link to that Clubhouse room, as well as all of the Ajar articles and information on upcoming events.